Hi, I'm James Dempsey. Welcome back to the Poker Podcast, where we get up close and personal with the biggest names in the game. Coming up in this episode, there's this. I do say I'm a professional poker player, but I can't say the actual other words like, this is my job. And plenty of this. You need to balance your lifestyle extremely well in Vegas. And of course, a whole lot more. I got into snooker. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on a single episode. This week, I'm excited to be able to welcome Party Poker's newest signing, Ludovic Gailik. Ludo, how you doing, James? I'm good, mate. Yourself? Oh, I'm good. Good to be back home. Yeah, there's a, a long summer for you, World Series. Yeah, I was away for four months in total. The World Series, I was there for nearly two two months. So, oh, wow, four months, I guess you were... Because obviously I saw you in Barcelona and then Montreal. So I'm guessing that was all in one trip, was it? I ended up going from Barcelona to Amsterdam... Amsterdam to Montreal, Montreal to Mexico, Mexico to Washington DC, then Washington <laughs> DC to Vegas. I do, I do actually remember you. We were talking in the summer, and there was something about you being Washington DC because during the World Series, you were snapped up by Party Poker. Yeah, um, just before the main event started, that's when officially like a signed deal, kind of. I've spoken to you in the past, and you were, you were keen to get in this position, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm saying like. It was always a goal of mine, to be honest, like going down to Dust or Dawn and seeing how good they've been doing for the live stops and the fact that they just obviously look forward to like holding a good live stop for like the players and making sure everything's nice and easy and relaxed and bringing in a different type of player so they enjoy the experience. It was good to get on board and I wanted to get on board as soon as possible and I'm fortunate that I eventually got on board. Yeah, because I remember in a... In Rosvedoff, you were putting a lot of your ideas forward to the likes of Rob Young and John Duffy because, I mean, you, you seem to be someone who cares a lot about making the game better for, for everyone involved, right, at these tournaments. Yeah, for sure. I'm saying, like, I've got a lot of experience in poker. I've been playing poker since I'm, I was 15. And, like, I interact with the players and I listen to their views. So, like, I feel as if I've always going to have something to bring to the table. So, like, if you're sitting there and you're mingling away with the players, I'm saying it's always going to be good and hearing what their thoughts are and then bringing that to the table when you do eventually get the chance to sit down and talk to John Duffy or, or Rob Young. Obviously, you alluded there. You, you started playing poker at 15, did you say? Yeah, I started playing when I was 15, yeah. So how, how did that come about? Was that a school thing? Well, my attendance at school was always very good. Like, primary school, I had, like, 99.7% attendance, I'm pretty sure. And then I went to secondary school, and then first year, second year, third year was fine. Then I started dogging school because I got into snooker. To become anything at snooker, you've got to put the volume in, you've got to put the hours in, you've got to dedicate your life to it. So when I reached about turning 15, I started putting the volume in at snooker. Even though I'd been playing since I was 13, I started just playing non-stop when I just turned 15. And obviously I still went to school, but I was kind of just like ducking and diving out of school, selecting what periods I wanted to go into, like going for math, maybe going for like PE, maybe go on and have a look at geography. And then if it, was, <laughs> if it was like English, I was like, okay, I'm not going to go on and I'm going to skip that subject today. And if it was like modern studies, I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that one because I didn't enjoy it. So I was kind of pick and choose which subjects I wanted to go on and, and learn that day. After that, I was playing a lot of snooker. I ended up getting to the point where I was, I was reasonably good at snooker. But to be good at snooker, you've got to be like extremely good. I'm saying if you want to make it professionally. And at that time... The manager of the snooker hall, 
he was always, not always playing poker, but he would play at least two or three times a week and if the club was quite quiet, he would sit there with a couple of friends and he would play the card games and we would always go up and ask questions and he wouldn't tell us because we were too young. And, it, and after like three months of pestering him, he eventually gave in and he taught us how to play the game. And I always remember at the start, it was this button and the button always moved. It was intriguing in the sense of like, I was like, why do we need this button? And obviously we now know why we need the button to make sure we know the positions and everyone everyone posts a fair share and everyone gets the chance to do whatever. So I started playing poker when I was just turned about 15, maybe just after 15. Do you still uh, talk to him now? Is he, do you sort of have a chance to thank him for getting you into poker? Yeah, I, I, said, I, I, I still like to keep in touch with everybody from back home. But the last time I seen him was just before I set out to go to Barcelona. So that was about five months ago. Right. And and so snooker then was was a passion of yours. Is that is that what you would have liked to have done if it wasn't for poker then? Or was that just a, a passing moment for you? I think when you're young, I'm saying like, obviously your ambitions can be a bit wild at times. And then as you grow old and you mature, you kind of look back and say to yourself... It was silly to waste that amount of time on something that only a small, tiny percentage of people get to succeed in. So, like, I kind of look back on it and say to myself, it was more of like a, a hobby that I was good at. And I enjoyed. So you you still play now some then, I guess? Yeah, I still play snooker every now and again. And I'm still reasonable, but you've got to put the hours in. I'm saying if, if I'm down there hitting a the ball with a few friends, it might take me like two or three frames to get my cue and arm going then I might be able to hit like a 50 or a 60 break which is quite good oh well yeah it's yeah. pretty good and is that sort of your main hobby then outside of poker I like to play football every now and again I don't play as much as I used to but I'll play like if I get into the swing of things I'll play like football once a week I like to watch film I love to research on actors and actresses and, and TV shows and TV series and recently I've just finished watching Westworld and I like to just look at everybody else's different view on life and and Westworld was a good show to watch in the sense of like looking through the window and seeing what the writers and what the directors had in mind for to bring something new to the TV. Oh, well, I mean, it's kind of important, I guess, when you're travelling as much as you have been, I suppose, when you are home, it's a little bit of downtime is a good thing. That's one thing that's always, it's always been the case with most people that always travel and then come back home. You always say to yourself, I want to get back home, I'm a bit homesick. You end up getting back home, and then after like two or three days, you just want to be on your way again. You get bored very quickly. And of course, talking about uh, getting on your way, next up for you and myself, of course, will be Party Poker Millions Russia in Sochi. I'm looking forward to it, to be honest, because I've never been to Russia, and it's another one to mark off the list. It was like the first time I went to Mexico, the first time I went to Australia. It was just that excitement, like I've never been there. Whereas when you're a consistent poker player on the tour, you always go back to Barcelona. You always go back to these stops like Malta. You always go back to Amsterdam. You always go down to London. You always go to Dublin. You always go to America. So it's good to like have a stop that hasn't been on the calendar for that long and you've not been to. So I'm looking forward to going to Russia. What events are you going to be playing uh, when you're out there? Have you got a schedule lined up? Well, I had a, had a look at the schedule and for sure... I, you know me, I love my 1Ks. So, <laughs> it's, it's the Ludo level. Yeah, it's my level. It's, it's exactly like my cup of tea. It's got a good mixture of like online regs and then a good calibre of like recreational players that play consistently on the tour 
that they're not as good as the regs. So like I kind of find a balance where I know how to play against each individual and you can kind of like have a chat with them. Obviously talking at the table helps you find out where they lie, where they stand in the game. So like I kind of, I think I adapt a lot quicker and I understand like my image against the opponents and I understand how they think. I think I fit in a lot quicker than most other players. Giving it a go in Sochi. Well, for sure, another thing, if I do get um, a result on the lead-up to, like, the 50k or the 100k, I'll be probably throwing myself into that as well. Good man, there we go. This is the, the, the inner degen. I've never played a 50k or a 100k. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen very soon in the sense of, like, I'm going to take a shot. I'm going to just go for it and see what happens. Well, yeah, well, hopefully we do see you in there. Of course, we'll be streaming the 50k and the 100k on mypartypokerlive.com, so... Hopefully, we see you in there having had a result in the 1K. Yeah, I'm looking forward to winning this 1K. In Russia, there's there's a few other activities going on. Obviously, we have the uh, the Moa and Shandon party we're out there. I know, obviously, you're a, you're a bit of a fan of the player parties. Oh, I enjoy the player parties, <laughs> that's for sure. I'm saying and it, that's the thing about the party poker live stops. I'm saying, like, the company's always good. You can turn left, you can turn right, you can go backwards. I'm saying, like, you're going to bump into somebody that you can actually have a good conversation with and have good banter and just drink all night without even thinking about a thing. <laughs> the community aspect of the party poker tour is something that appeals to you then? I'm saying, like, for sure. I'm saying, like, they just make everyone feel so comfortable and everyone's at ease and... As you know yourself, the drinks are flowing. I'm saying like nobody's at a worry, nobody's, and it's it's easily accessible in the sense that like you don't need to cram yourself at the bar or something. I'm saying like they make it so much easier. I'm saying like there's tables there, there's bottles everywhere, so that's always a big plus as well in the sense that there's no stress. I gather, of course, there's going to be discounted events in Sochi, such as like a bungee jumping and all that kind of stuff. Is that something you're interested in? I like my thrill seeker rides, to be honest. And I'm, I've never done a bungee jump, so I look forward to doing one. So that could be the first place I do one. I like it. I like it. So you, you enjoy that, the adrenaline rush of stuff outside of gambling? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I went to Vegas there, and we went on top of the stratosphere. Done the three rides that were on top of there. Obviously, they're not as extreme as, like, bungee jumping or, like, jumping out a plane. Or... I think I'll get to that stage at one point. I look forward so what's, to it. What's the most sort of extreme thing you've done then? I think I've near enough been on every single ride possible in the world in the sense of like roller coasters and all that kind of stuff. But I've I've never done anything extreme in the sense of like bungee jump or skydive. Who who are the, the players you most enjoy being around when you're on tour? Who are the fun guys? I would probably answer that with everyone that I was in Vegas with. And so we played a lot of pool in Vegas on our like off days at the same time as we want to like just chill out, relax, get away from poker for that day. And then just kind of hit the balls about it. It kind of helps you a lot get in your own wee comfort zone and take your mind off things. Sometimes it's a good thing to be busted out of a tournament, right? You get to get in situations like that. You're playing all these tournaments for thousands of dollars. And it's always good to take a bit of time off and have a chill and like have a few drinks with your friends. Get together and like do some sort of syndicate, put $100 in each, put in 200 each, put in 500 each and just like have a bit of fun. For the amount of money that you're spending on tournaments at the same time as other cash, I'm saying, like, it's just a one-off thing, like, when you kind of, like, you might do it, like, once every week in Vegas or once every two weeks, but it's just, like, a one-off thing and it gives you a wee buzz and a different enjoyment in life. 
it's important to to have that the blowout in you in Vegas. Oh, for sure. I'm saying like Vegas is it's needed the most. You need to balance your lifestyle extremely well in Vegas. It's a it's a long journey. It's seven weeks of non-stop poker. Have you ever splurged money you've won in poker? What are the sort of the biggest purchases you've made with your winnings, or or the best or worst purchases, or anything like that? I'm never one for like f- splashing cash in the sense of like going out and buying a five k watch or going out and buying like a twenty k car. I just I don't know. I've never needed anything like that. I'm saying like I don't need any. This is just material stuff. I'm saying like it's not going to bring me. It might bring you a wee bit of enjoyment for like a day or two and you might feel good about yourself. It's never interested me. Nothing too crazy. Speaking of actually, uh, the one thing I did notice on Twitter in the last week was something you put up about this cheating scandal in Glasgow. It was quite an elaborate scheme, right? It involved a fake smartphone and stuff, right? Scanning cards and all sorts. Yeah, this is pretty insane because I watched a video about this exact device about three years ago because I'd heard about it in house games and it was in my mind for a few months. Then I totally forgot about it. And then just recently, come back from Vegas and we've got a large um, WhatsApp group chat and the fact that um, a lot of the Scottish boys are in the group and they've played cash with this individual in Glasgow that was doing this cheating scam with this device. So they've been talking about this guy for a long time. They've been talking about him for at least a year, maybe a year and a half, saying like, this guy's not as good as he actually is, but he's just running insane. And he's managed to win consistently for three years in Glasgow. Now, mathematically, it couldn't add up. Right. So this is how the device works, basically. So you've got to have some sort of device on the table ledge of the poker table. Most of the time, it's a phone. And you've got to make sure you can show the infrared at the side of the phone. Basically, the dealer's in with it as well. So you mark the side of the cards with a barcode that's invisible, essentially. It's like invisible ink barcode. The infrared from the device scans the the barcode from all the cards and then sends it back to the device, which sends it to your hands-free kit or your headphones, and it'll tell you exactly the order of the cards. So within a second of it scanning the barcode, it can tell you if there's eight players at the table, it will tell you right away what seat's going to win the hand. So it'll tell you seat six, and it'll, it'll keep going six, 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 six. Right, so this, this guy was able, obviously, then to basically never get bluffed if he had the best hand. At the start, it wasn't as obvious because he was selecting his spots a lot more wisely. He wasn't being greedy and he wasn't being impatient. So let's say it's eight players at the table and it's telling him that seat seven's going to win the hand. So obviously, if he's got a reasonable hand, like king-queen suited, he'll play the hand. And then maybe seat seven has nine four offsuit, so doesn't play the hand. Right. So he might go on to win that hand if he's got like king queen suited or whatever. When it tells you his seat number was this is what the problem was recently. So it would say seat three, for instance, if he was in seat three, and he would have seven five offsuit. Right. So he knows he's gonna have the winning hand by the river. But he would play the seven five and then it would maybe go like ten pounds and he would call. And then it would go like maybe £35 or £50 and then somebody would like maybe all of a sudden four bet to like £200 and he was still calling with 7-5 offsuit so he made it too obvious in the sense that like if he made himself a lot a little more patient I'm saying like and just folded the 7-5 and instead of coming in from nowhere calling £200 which is like 100 big blinds with 7-5 offsuit it was quite ludicrous the way that he was doing it yeah so, so how obviously people were suspicious that he kept winning but 
how was he caught cheating? Did someone well, notice the device? Or? Yeah, so we, we now know it was a, a sure thing. When they did get caught, the dealer admitted to it. Oh, wow, okay. But the, the two people that caught the guy out, two of my friends, I'm saying they kind of put two and two together. They, they, they were pretty sure that he was up to something, so they started Googling what it could be. They seen this device, they watched a video, they seen that they had to have the device on the table, you had to have a hands-free kit in, and you had to give the deck one second to scan the barcode. So that when they, when they knew about this device, they thought, okay, it must be this situation, it must be this way that they're doing it. So the two of them decided to sit at the table and just watch this guy. And it would only ever happen when a certain dealer was dealing. <laughs> so the dealer was dealing, and then they kind of messaged each other for a bit of banter and saying, I can't wait till we see this actually happening now that we know how it's happening. And they were like kind of giggling and laughing. And then exactly the way that it demonstrated on the, on the YouTube video is exactly how it went down. It's amazing. Yeah. Obviously we're taking this to the extreme. I'm saying like cheating just doesn't happen. I'm saying it happens less than 1% of the time. When it does happen and we find out about it, I'm always very surprised in the sense that like the game is very clean. I'm saying like there's not a lot of corruption in the game. So like I'm quite happy like still not to have like a negative attitude. Even on like a house game, I would rather just avoid it to be honest, which I do. We've got casinos, we've got online poker. There's no need to actually worry about like having to organise a house game. It's yeah. It's more in the sense of being greedy. I'm saying like... In the sense that, like, you're money-orientated. I'm not money-orientated. I don't need to worry about that. Just in it for the love of the game, Ludo. I'm just in it for the love of the game and to get somewhere and do something good. Now, I know you were saying you're not money-orientated. Say you were, you know, next summer to win the World Series main event. Do you think you'd continue playing as much poker as you do now? Do you think you'd look to do something else? If I was to win a large amount of money, I'm saying, like, it wouldn't change me lifestyle-wise. It would change um, what I do in poker. It would change in the sense that, like, I wouldn't be playing, like, 109 buy-ins. I wouldn't be playing, like... I would probably still play 215 buy-ins, but I would stop playing the 109s, and I would... If I was playing, like, a an online MTT session, I would play maybe just 215s and above. But also, I would I would dedicate my poker profession on playing, like, 510 PLO and above, and I'd just probably grind a lot more cash. And uh, so that was... You don't have anything on your mind today that if someone gave a load of money that meant you were sort of sorted for life, that you, there's, there's no other thing you'd go into, like a, another industry or business you'd like to set up. There's nothing at the moment on your horizon. Oh, I don't know about business-wise. I'm saying like, I've got a few ideas, but nothing locked in. But I would li- I, I like to help people out. So if I had a ludicrous sum of money, I'm saying like, I would be looking for talent at the same time as to help people out that have been there for me and I think need the help. I'm saying like, so I would like to help like friends and family out and that kind of stuff. And like, I'm a snooker player like at heart. So like, I would like to look about the snooker area and like know that deep down I'm probably burning the money, but like still like to maybe spot a bit of talent that I know here and there and maybe invest in them and seeing if I could get them to like do something. Same with like poker wise as well. I'm saying like, I wouldn't, encourage anybody to invest in poker these days because the game is getting tougher and tougher but in general I'm saying like I would still like to maybe spot a bit of talent in poker as well and maybe go with that not like an insane project like what Moorman had back in the day where he's backing so many players I would only do it with a couple of people but something like that for instance you hear you hear a lot of people talk about poker almost as if it's a means to an end which is understandable but at the same time it's just such a great game to be around. It's hard to imagine. I, 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 it's hard for me to imagine you not wanting to be around poker. 
I'm the same way. Yeah, that's the thing with poker. I'm saying like poker opens so many more doors. I'm saying like there's so much to learn, and the amount that you can learn through poker alone is insane because it brings so many different types of people together. I'm saying like the, the likes of like Fedor like playing maybe in like Vegas and then sitting beside like Baxter or whatever. I'm saying like these people that have big companies are like Dan Shack, like these interesting people that have done something like very special in their life and built up companies and they're multi-millionaires and they've had a lot of success. I'm saying like all of a sudden you can get to know people like that and like kind of opens new doors. I'm saying like, and his mentality is like doing good for the world and creating something. I'm saying like bringing a positive to the life that we're living them in. So like a lot of things in poker that are good for poker. I'm saying like it opens a lot of doors and gives you a lot of chances. And you, you were mentioning there, obviously you, you wouldn't advise people really getting into poker these days because it's, it's so much harder, right? The game's got that much tougher. Obviously, if you can afford to play the game without any like financial strain, fire away and play. I'm saying like you're not going to have any problems. It's as friendly as ever in this day and age. I'm saying like everyone, everyone conducting himself in a professional manner, in the sense that like it wasn't the same at one point. Like back in the day, it was it was different. Everyone was more like vultures, but it's a lot more at ease now. The game is getting tougher and you've got to put the a lot of work in to get to a position where you're comfortable and you've got to be very game selective. Aside from obviously the work ethic needed, what, what are the other qualities you think that are most important for a poker player? Good balance in life and being very relaxed and confident in yourself and not overthinking situations. Like a lot of players, they focus on one thing too much and they don't spread out their focus. If you're in like a hand, for instance, sometimes you can be a bit all over the shop, but all of a sudden you, f- you spot one thing and you decide to focus everything on that. So your judgment is all about what, what he done on that one thing, whereas you should have maybe figured it out some other way and just not focused on that one thing to maybe like level yourself. It's kind of the same thing in poker in general. I'm saying like for, you can't level yourself in life. You've got to be comfortable first of all, and you can't just like wake up and play the game and kind of not believe you're going to win before you're actually playing and just playing for the sake of it. You have to always be playing your best. So many poker players have took it to another level in this day and age. I'm saying like they're making sure they treat their body with respect. They're out there like they're swimming, they're hitting the gym, they're eating correctly. I'm saying like it's insane. Like just making sure like because you need a lot of stamina in the game. You need your endurance needs to be so good, especially when you're playing like the top of the top, when you're playing like these 25Ks and above, the amount of focus you need is insane. You've got to study, study, study at the same time as like, you can't give anything away. Everyone's on a different level. You can't like drop down to your B game. You've got to always be on point. Luda, obviously we've, we were talking earlier, you've got Sochi is your next event that's coming up. Obviously there's a full schedule there, but what's up for you after that? Obviously... We've got Millions UK coming up in Nottingham, I presume that's a spot you're going to enjoy being at. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed the Millions in, in the UK the last time. That was a fantastic tournament where um, I think Maria won it for one million. Yeah, that's right, o- obviously, I'm saying like the Millions is just a fantastic tournament, first of all, because they're guaranteeing a million for first prize, which is what, yeah. is what you have to do. I'm saying like that's exactly the, the thing that they've got to do. Five million kitty, one million guaranteed for first. That's just the perfect amount. It's 20% of the prize pool. That's exactly the way it should be. And then, of course, from there, in November, no doubt you'll be at Caribbean Poker Party. I'll be looking forward to that. That's for sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'll be looking forward to that. And it's a 25k buy in as well. So that will The Millions World event. Yeah. I was going to ask. I assume you're going to be playing that one. I shall be playing that one. Yes. 10 million guaranteed for 25k. It's pretty strong. Going to be making like three millionaires at least. And of course, come on, Luda. There's going to be a 250k super high roller. We get you in that one as well, right? 250k? <laughs> that is insane. Well, we can get you in that, right? Well, I'm saying, like, it depends how many tournaments I went up until that point. <laughs> and then anything else on your, on your schedule outside of those? Obviously, the three millions events coming up for the rest of the year, but are there any other events you've penciled in? I've been one to, like, look at the event schedule and say to myself, I'm going to go there, I'm going to go there. I always find out about what's coming up, even though it's kind of ingrained into me. Like, I know what stops are coming up because I've been going to them for so long now. But I, I kind of just find out about it and then we just talk amongst friends and they're like, are you going to Barcelona? Are you going to Amsterdam? Are you going to Dublin? Are you going to Killarney? I'm saying, like, all these kind of places. I'm saying, like, and I kind of find out, like, a week before it and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll go. Yeah, I've that's never, pretty fair. That's, that's, it's, it's quite common of a lot of poker players, I think, to book the trip the sort of week before, right? Depends how you're feeling. Do I actually yeah. want to go? That kind of stuff. Yeah, don't overthink things. I'm saying just, I'm just dead relaxed in life. Obviously, other people would probably be looking in and thinking to themselves, as I'm saying this, you're not obviously as professional as other poker players. Or like, poker is a job, but I've never really thought to myself, okay, this is my job. I'm saying like, obviously it is my job, but I'm saying like, I've never really... When I'm in like a taxi, for instance, and a taxi driver says, oh, what do you do? Well, I kind of play poker for a living. <laughs> and they're like, is that your job? And I'm like, well, I do it all the time, but I kind of just can't say it. I just can't say <laughs> the words. I can't say, yes, this is my job. I'm a professional poker player. I do say I'm a professional poker player, but I can't say the actual other words like, this is my job. Yeah. Obviously, it is my job, but I don't actually, I'm not like other poker players and I don't write down how much money I've made this night and how much I made in a cash session and then and then divide it all up and then work out my hourly. I just don't do that. I'm saying like, there's more to life than that. I'm saying like, that's just never been one thing that I've focused on. We have a little segment on the poker podcast called Feeling Flush. So I'm just going to ask you, uh, there's five questions. And we're just looking for, you know, your sort of first reaction answer. It's nothing too serious for you, so don't panic. What do you think the best movie ever made was? There can only be one answer to that. And when I watched the film, I was blown away and it was something different when it first came out. Inception. Wow, okay. I thought when you were speaking up there and you said it was different, I was thinking you were going to say that or The Matrix, but yeah. Inception. Uh, eh? Matrix is a reasonable shout, but Inception blows the Matrix away in my mind and my eyes. Yeah, good film. Mess, messes with your mind a little bit, did it? I'm saying, like, you've got to watch it twice. I'm saying, like, a dream within a dream within a dream. I'm saying, like, it's, and the cast is insane. Directed by Christopher Nolan, who's never, ever made a bad film. I'm saying, like, if you watch one of his films, it's a remake of Insomnia, a French film. Even then, I'm saying, like, the way that he directs that with Robin Williams, Al Pacino, Hilary Swank. It's just an insane film. And it's my cup of tea because it's called Insomnia and the same time, like, times as a poker player, you can't sleep. So a Christopher Nolan fan then? Yeah, massive Christopher Nolan fan. I think he's the best director that I've seen in my lifetime. I'm saying there's other ones, obviously, like, back in the day, I'm saying, like, but I think he's my favourite and, and the best, and it's my opinion. Yeah. All right, Ludo, the second question. What was your worst ever cooking fail? Are you much of a cook? I don't cook much, um... I can cook if I want to cook. I'm saying, like, I'm not saying I'm amazing, but if I want to really put the effort in, I can cook. 
I would probably say like messing up. This is going to just be as bad as it gets. Messing up maybe like scrambled egg or something. <laughs> I'm saying like something like that. But obviously I, I don't mess up scrambled egg anymore. But I'm saying like I've done it obviously in the past. Even when I was good at making scrambled egg. But sometimes you can just make a, like a mess of it. All right then. Well on a similar vein as the first question. What's the best song ever released? Maybe something from Simon and Garfunkel. Okay, wow. I'm saying, if it's not that, it's maybe Bob Dylan, Hurricane. Yeah, Hurricane, I'm going to go for Hurricane. Might not have pegged you for a Dylan man. No, I'm saying I, I love all sorts of music. Yeah. I'm saying like Fleetwood Mac are my favourite at this moment in time. I'm saying like, they've always been a favourite of mine, but I'm saying I've kind of went back to them recently. So Fleetwood Mac are probably my favourite just now. That's what I'm enjoying listening to the most. Mm, okay. What was one thing you would never bet on? Probably cricket. Cricket is like the worst sport ever. Like I'm saying, like it, it's like watching paint dry. But I'm saying, like you can watch the 2020 stuff if it's one day stuff. I used to watch a few, a few games with that with my friends on like ITV4. All right, then this is this is quite a good one. You name three famous people, living or not, but non-poker players that you like to share a poker table with. I would probably have to go for Anthony Hopkins is first in there, hundred percent. That's for sure. I would love to have a five-minute conversation with him in my life. What would what would uh, what would you be going after him on, on on first? He's such an intriguing guy. I'm saying like I've watched a lot of his interviews, and I think like I think he's just got an in- intelligent mind and the way that he's he's quite an old guy, obviously. And I'm saying like what he's done in acting is insane. I'm saying he was a stage actor as well. I'm saying like his acting in Silence of the Lambs was amazing, and his acting in Westworld is out of this world. Um, probably I would have to go for Elon Musk as well. Okay. Because he's just like one of the most down to earth guys ever and he's trying to make things happen in this life that we're living in at this moment in time. Yeah. Right, third person on this, in this four-handed poker table. I think I've, I, I think I've got this one wrong, to be honest. I think I'm going to look back and change my mind on this. But I'm going to just go for it and say Robin Williams. Well, okay. Yeah. Another, another very interesting yeah. character there. Yeah, but went for three different viewpoints, three totally different personalities, that's for sure. <laughs> well, Ludo, I, can't, I don't want to keep you forever. I think we'll have to let you go. We'll see you in Russia on the weekend. Yeah, I look forward to that. I look forward to seeing you on Friday or Saturday. Well, until then, mate, best of luck, and we will see you on the weekend. No problem at all, buddy. <laughs> well, our time's up for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. But for now, I've been James Dempsey, and this has been The Poker Podcast.